I want to encourage you, turn to, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we've been talking about this idea of living, uh, really being foolproof. And we're going to jump to 1 Corinthians 1. I told you we're going to be kind of through this idea of wisdom and things like that from the Proverbs and Psalms. But I wanted to get to the heartbeat of, in reality, what wisdom is, right? What God is laying out as wisdom to us. And I think it's important for us, in order to apply the truth of wisdom like we see in Proverbs and, and, and things like that, is to look at the end picture of what God says wisdom really is. That wisdom is not built upon man-made ideologies and thoughts. It's not built on philosophies and things like that. As a matter of fact, my question to you is this. How would you define wisdom? I just want you to think about that. What is wisdom? Right? Like I can, I can log into social media platforms and things like that, and I can watch videos on what I would classify as wisdom. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I watch some of these videos on financial wisdom from guys who aren't believers and guys who know the tax code, and I'm like, man, I wish I could send her to this guy's teaching a lot more often, because then the government would take less of my money. Like, I don't know about how you feel about that, but like as a pastor, self-employed, it seems like the government's got an awfully deep reach into my billfold, and I'm sure you're thinking the same way as you go with that, but those are ways I can sit back and go, well, that's wise. But then the question becomes this, what is biblical wisdom? How do I live a foolproof life, to withstand the, 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 the test of times, to, to get over the chaos. You know, I, I find it ironic that on the internet, you can be anything you want, but it's so strange to me that people choose to be foolish. I don't get it. Like, you could put up a fake and a facade of anything you want on the internet, and you see a lot of stupidity. Like, it just plays out over and over and over again. The wisdom of the world is spoken every day, but the wisdom of the world is oftentimes a lie. The wisdom of the world says things like this. There's no such thing as God. The cross is foolishness. There's no hell. There's no afterlife. It says anything and everything goes. Do whatever you want. If it feels good, just do it. Be who you want to be because truth doesn't matter. Those are the types of things that the world says, well, that's wisdom. Well, that's... That's chaos. And let's be realistic. When chaos is normal, then everything else is going to be destroyed. Matter of fact, when chaos is present, most of the times truth is not. That's the reality. Where there is chaos, there is oftentimes a lack of truth. I said this, uh, this is about eight years ago. I remember writing this quote down, but... Um, Foolish people are a lot like glow sticks. I want to snap them and then shake them until the light comes on. <laughs> and while you sit back and think about that, right? Like it's, it's one of those things we oftentimes look. It's, it's, it's like, you know, I'm going to quote an old school movie, right, called Tommy Boy when he's trying to get somewhere and he, he's trying to tell this lady where he's going and and she keeps saying something. He's like, hi, I'm Earth. Have we met? And she goes, I don't think so. Right? This is the oftentimes the, the world that we operate in. Like foolish people are, are all around. And oftentimes, listen, we have to also look at our lives because we have to look and go, well, how am I foolish? How do I respond? What, what in my life in reality is, is foolishness? Versus the wisdom that God gives. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it's actually probably one of my uh, go-to favorites when it comes 
to wisdom. So chapter 1, verse 18, if you have your Bibles, uh, would you stand with me real quick? We're going to read God's Word. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to follow along behind us, uh, on the screen behind you. Uh, And I'm going to say this again, and I I just just stand on this. If you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to get one. If you need help buying one, come see me. We'll buy you one, all right? But I want you to use your Bible. This is the one thing we, we talk about consistently. I know like my son over and over and over again, I got my phone. Well, get your Bible. <laughs> so anyways, but um, listen to what he says starting in verse 18. For the message, everybody say message. message. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach. Everybody say preach. We preach. Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. You can be seated. You know, as we think about that, we're going to jump into just a few more verses after that. But um, Albert Einstein said it this way, the difference between stupidity and genius is that genius has its limits. And stupidity oftentimes doesn't. And that's what we see oftentimes in our own lives. Like I can look back in my life over and over and over again and go, what were you doing? Like what, Brian, what were you thinking when you responded in that way, or what, like, what, well, obviously I wasn't thinking this, but I begin to think because I realized how dumb some of my actions were, right? Past things and things I did, things that it's like, well, why? Were you doing it to gain, like, acceptance from people? Were you doing it because you thought it was right? And of which I would say yes. You know, as a teenager, I look back and I think about my teenage years and I think of how many stupid things I did to try and gain the acceptance of people. And then I look and I go back and I go, how many times did I do stupid things just because I was stupid? I didn't know, right? Like I had to learn. I, 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 was, I was foolish. I was young. I was dumb. I, you know, there are things that take place here that we begin to see that we have to unpack. And so here's what I wanted to get to. I wanted to get to the heart of what God calls wisdom. Right? We, we looked at Proverbs chapter 1, and as we dug into Proverbs chapter 1, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? So it's this understanding of, of what it means to have a, a proper view, a, a reverence, a respect, an awe, an expectation that God's going to work in and through us, that God's going to call us to greater things. And that was one of the things I was encouraged the most by this last week was Super Summer, that I believe our students are going to... listen. I understand what's going on in the world. And I understand the desire to want to protect our kids. Man, you're talking about a a protective father, right? I want to do everything I can to protect my kids. But I also want my kids to be able to go out to share the gospel, 
to stand on the truth. And listen, so be it if it comes to this, to give their lives for the gospel. And my question to you would be that, is that your heart's desire? Because a lot of us will struggle with that idea. Are you, are you, you, you're, you're okay with your son or daughter giving their life for the sake of the gospel? Listen, right now, right now, America is at a crossroads. And I'm just going to be honest with you here. It might be the best thing for the American church for America to continue to go downward. Because what we really need is, is a separation of the wheat from the chaff. There are lots of people who go to church that would sit back and the minute I said what I just said would look at me and go, you're crazy. There's no way I would send my kids to that type of an end. And yet that's the very thing the gospel calls us to. Every one of us. That the life I live, I no longer live for myself, but I live for Christ. Why? Because he died on the cross for me. So as we look at this idea of wisdom, I want you to see this big idea. Here's the main point. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that Jesus' death on the cross is foolish to the world. But it is the very power and wisdom of God for life. The very thing with which we stand and proclaim is the very thing that most of the world, if not all of the world, looks and goes, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So as you think about that, Jesus' death on the cross, this is what Paul is getting to. He says, listen, the message, and I had you repeat that, the message of the cross is foolishness. So keep this in mind. The message of the cross takes all of our expectations and it turns them upside down. Jews were looking for a, a lawgiver and a deliverer from the Romans and Greeks, man. They just wanted some sort of proof, some sort of physical thing that they could touch to say, okay, I believe. And that's the world we operate in still to this day. People who say, I can do good things, I can get there on my own, they fall into that religious workspace camp. And then those who say, man, I would believe if I just saw more proof. So this whole last week, we were you know, talking about truth, and one of the things we're teaching our, the, the, the teens, the kids from across the state was this, right? Apologetics, a basic defense of your faith. Like, our faith is not a blind faith. You guys realize that, right? But yet the world continues to kind of cram it down your throat that if you believe the gospel, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in God, that it's all just built upon a blind faith, well, that's farthest from the truth. If you go through and read the Bible and start to compare it to what it tells us, do you guys realize that the Bible was the first book that ever said the earth was round? And yet people are like, no way. The Bible shows the accuracy of science. Science is only accurate because it's built upon the truth of the Bible. Early scientists used the Bible for those types of things. So here's four things that I believe that we're going to get. Number one is this, that the message of the cross is seen as foolishness. This is point number one as we get into this. Listen, we continue to speak with and see displays of foolishness in the world's response to the gospel and in their actions or and in actions in life. But I want you to understand what's going on here. Paul in this text right here is making some very key statements about foolishness and wisdom. Matter of fact, four times he uses the form of the word foolish in these seven verses that we just read. 
Four separate times he uses the word foolish. Now, I want to give you an idea that the root of the Greek word that we generally translate as foolish or folly is moros. Now, for those of you who don't know, the root of the English word that we get moron from comes from foolishness. So what Paul is in reality saying from a Greek sense, keep in mind this is just a root word, so it's not talking about it, but he's saying, for the message of the cross is moronic to those who are perishing. It's foolish. And so what we play out or what we see, what God's trying to communicate through Paul is this. It's, it's this idea that that the message of salvation, that Christ's death on the cross is going to seem naturally moronic to people who don't believe. And I say, it doesn't make sense, right? I remember we were sitting in class and we were talking about how God operates outside of time. He's above time. Like time is a man-made characteristic that was created by God, right? And so one of the girls goes, so what was God doing before creation? I mean, honestly, like, try and put that in your head. Like, there was a time where God existed where there was nothing but God. And here's what happens in our mindset. I need to know what was happening. I want to understand that. And trust me, I get it. Like, my mind, I said, you sit there. When, when she asked that question, I'm like, mm-hmm, yep. She, so she's like, do you have an answer? Nope. Nope, I don't, because I'm finite. He is infinite. I am the creation. He is the creator. I operate with time, space, matter, energy, right? He operates outside all those things. Why? Because he created all of those things. And so when we sit and look at this, it's, it's what Paul is laying, is that the message of salvation through Christ's death on the cross is, dare we say, a little crazy, It's supernatural in its work. And so the world, of course, is going to say, man, it's foolishness. Why? Because we can't wrap our mind around it. Why would God, who existed before everything else, all of a sudden say that I'm going to make a way for man through the sending of my own son, Jesus? And how does this whole Jesus and the Spirit and the Father and the Trinity all work hand in hand together? And what I can sit back and tell you is this. We can't explain everything, but we do know that from the beginning of time that God existed in three forms, that we see it in Genesis chapter one. We see it in Colossians chapter one. We see it at the baptism of Jesus when the father says he was pleased with his son and the spirit comes down, that the spirit and the father and the son are all co-equal. They're all co-eternal. They all work hand hand in hand together and they accomplish the purpose that God had in the beginning. And they are all God. So like when we sing about Holy Spirit, come. I'll tell you this. I believe that the church needs a supernatural outpouring of the Spirit. And I also want you to know this, that you have it. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. And here's what's crazy. It's the power that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit. You know, Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way. 
And I think it's important for us to think about it, right? But when we talk about this message of the cross as foolishness, he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and in your sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. Listen, gratifying the sinful, or the cravings of the sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. That's the way of foolishness, that we continue to go after the cravings and the desires of the sinful nature. So I said, number one was this, right? That the message of the cross is seen as foolishness. But I also want you to see this, that the message of the cross displays the power of God. Listen to what he says. Where's the wise man, right? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher? So it would be this idea, right? Like the scientist, the, the, the sage, the theologian, and, and then the philosopher of this age. Where are they at? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. Now, here's what's crazy about this. When we were teaching the kids all this week, we would give them different arguments. One's the cosmological argument, right? That God must exist because creation shows God's existence. And you can look at it from a scientific state, but people will say, well, the Bible takes a lot of faith. Well, so does the Big Bang Theory. So does evolution, And here's the reason why that takes a heck of a lot more faith than creation. Because the last I've checked, over the last multiple centuries, we haven't seen a single thing evolve. In other words, randomly change across species lines, like what they talk about. So what takes more faith? Something I've never seen or something that I can see because God says, since the beginning of time, I have made myself known through my creation so that man is without an excuse. Romans chapter one, go and check it out. Says that the wrath of God is being revealed against all of mankind. Why? Because God has made himself known through his creation and yet men continue to reject. And it says they continue to reject because of the wickedness in their hearts. So here's what happens. God or or Paul, under the supernatural leading of the Holy Spirit, asks this question. Where are all you, uh, where are all you brainiacs at, right? Where, where are those people who are, are identified as the wise philosophers and things like that? Because what's going to happen here is this, that Paul is making an argument that what the world looks as foolishness is the very power of God in this statement. Will Rogers said it this way, if stupidity got us into this mess, then why can't it get us out? And I think that's the reality that we have to understand here. God's trying to say, listen, your foolishness is not going to get you out of the mess that you're in. The only way you're getting out of the mess you're in is through the power of God, which is the wisdom of God, which is foolishness to the world, which is Christ on the cross. So the message of the cross is seen as foolishness, but the message of the cross displays the power of God. See, the creator who shows his power in creation's uniqueness reveals wisdom and power in Christ on the cross. So listen to again what he says. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached 
to save those who believe. I drew your attention to the message at the start, right? What is being preached? And here's the one thing that I will say consistently, and the one thing we have to stick to, which leads me to point number three, that the message of the cross is salvation. Listen, we live in a world, even in churches, that would sit back and say, hey, I'm going to give you all of these things that you need to know to have a better life, which part of what we want to do is to apply the truth of God's word to my life, right? But it does no good for me to get up and give you short 15 minute TED talk about how to be a better parent if I don't point you to the gospel. Because you're never going to be a good parent if you do it outside of the realm of the power of the gospel in your life. We have flipped this upside down our world. It's like, well, I can be a good parent without God. No, you can't. Because you're still a sinner. And while I'm still a sinner... I can parent through the power of the gospel, through the power of the work of God in me, and I can teach my kids how to function that way. But we live in a world today that says, parents, you don't want to upset your kids, so you don't force them to do anything. If your son tells you he doesn't want to go to church, don't make him go to church. If your daughter or son comes to you and says, hey, I'm really, I, I feel like I'm the wrong person, we'll just accept it. No. How many times did your kids or have your kids done something that you didn't want them to do? And how many times would you say, hey, that's not the way things go. That's not the way we operate. That's not who you are. Like every one of us, I want you to understand this. The Bible is very clear. Every one of God's creation was made in God's image. Every man, every woman. Even those who reject Jesus are still made in God's image. But here's what we see in Genesis chapter 3, that the image is broken. It's fractured. It's cracked. And since it's cracked, it's cracked because it's sin. So sin comes in and has shattered the image that God originally created. And if we continue to give into the sin nature and say, this is just, this is how I was made. This is how I was created. What I want you to get is this. No, it's not. Like, I can't sit back and go, man, I just love women. That's why I'm addicted to pornography. And go, well, that's the way God made me. I just got to get over. I'm going to have to deal with it. No, it's called sin. And Paul talks about it, that I learned to beat my body. Not not a physical, like, I'm going to, like, I learned to make my body submissive to the obedience of Christ and his word. And it takes training and it takes effort. But I also want you to see it this way. Why? Because God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That I don't make mistakes. But what ends up happening is we allow sin to reign in our bodies and in our lives and in our minds and in our thought process. And we begin to operate under that. See, the message of the cross is salvation. See, preaching isn't what is saved, what saves, but I can preach about how to be a better dad, how to be a better mom, and maintain these TED Talk type preachings and not get to the true heart. It's the preaching of the gospel message that leads to salvation. That's what he's talking about. People are going to say, well, that's stupid. Like, I will always tell you this. Matter of fact, even back in the day when when we used to do all kinds of altar calls, do you realize that most people don't come to faith in Christ because of the preaching of a pastor? It's like less than 10%. 
Most people come to Christ because you were out at work and you shared a gospel with a friend and you've held a relationship with them and you loved them and you served them, but you never catered or cowered or did what they did and you share the gospel and they go, man, I got, I got it. And then they hear the gospel message too, right? From a pastor that reinforces what you've already lived out in front of them. And they're like, whoa, yeah, that's me. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. So they come forward to make it public and everybody's like, oh, look at the pastor. It's all the pastor. Nope. It started where you were at first. It started because of the influence you had on an individual. And so listen, don't get me wrong. The proclamation of God's word is key. And so we're going to stand and we're going to proclaim God's word. You know, Anna brought this up. so the guy who was the main speaker is a guy named Zane Black. Zane uh, about died of a drug overdose when he was 19, ends up coming to Christ at some point. Zane grew up like surfer dude, snowboarder. So when I talk about like he's that old school, like if you were to watch um, Finding Nemo, like he's the turtle dad, right? Like, dude. So he's telling the story the first night. He's talking about John 3.16, and he's like, man, I'm, I'm reading through the gospel, and I get to the gospel, John 3.16, I'm like... Dude, I've never read this, right? And there's this kid at camp, stands up. His name's Nathaniel. Nathaniel stands up. He's like, I've never heard it either. And you can see everybody look over like, okay, that's not. I mean, it would be like, one of you just all of a sudden stand up when I read it. Whoa. And Zane's like, whoa, we're going to dig in this together. And I want you to understand that is the issue that most people deal with. They've never heard the gospel. What oftentimes I hear is like, you got to be good. You got to get your life in order, get everything straight. Then you can come to church when the reality is God says, I will make you a new creation. I will forgive you of your sins. I will be the one who does the work. It's not the pastor. It's not you and I. We're faithful to what's going on. But guess who does the convicting and the calling and the changing? It's always God through the power of the spirit working on the individual's heart. And it's all built upon the message of the cross. Christ crucified, a stumbling block for Jews. In other words, the religious works mentality, keeping the law and foolishness to Greeks. Why? Because they looked at it and said, it's got to be many ways and all kinds of different gods to get me to God. And Jesus is saying, no, there's one way. Through Christ on the cross, foolishness to those who think it's all about religious works. Or I mean, sorry, yeah. Foolishness to those who think it's all about various ways and it's a stumbling block to those who think it's all about religious works. Because humanity has this kind of thing in our mind that we've got to earn everything. That's why, especially in America, it's right. It's like suck it up, buttercup, you know, pull up your, boot, pull up your bootstraps and get to work. So listen, the message of the cross is salvation. And then I want you to see this in in number four, that God uses the weak and foolish people to show his power. This is the beauty of the gospel. Because he takes a guy like me, who honestly, when I felt like God was calling me to ministry, I went, God, I don't want to pastor because I hate to publicly speak. And I hate teenagers And I ended up being a youth pastor for 12 years. (laughs) But at the time, I was like, no, I ain't dealing with you punks, man. I don't, like, I got out of that. I ain't dealing with any of (laughs) y'all, right? And then God's like, oh, watch this. 
you're going to be a youth pastor for 12 years. This is what he says in verse 26. Brothers, think not of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were even probably influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose, now this is what I love about this, right? He's just talking about the message of the cross where people look at it as foolish, but God chose the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. It's like, I got the morons, and I'm going to use the morons to tell other morons about the greatest message ever, right? Like, put that, like, think about that in that mindset, right? That God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. The cross is looked as foolish, but he's going to use the power of the cross to shame those who are wise in wisdom. And he chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. And then he says in verse 29, so that no one may boast before him. In other words, I can't boast about all that I've done in the kingdom. And I can't boast about all the people I've led to Christ. And I can't boast about being the biggest church or the smallest church. Or I can't boast about all those things, right? I can only boast in Christ crucified. Why? Because he chose a moron like me to stand up on a stage like this to proclaim the gospel and get to lead other morons I hope you're not getting offended, seriously. You gotta, I hope you'll laugh a little bit about it, right? But, but God uses us, people like us, to proclaim the message of the cross, which is foolishness. And yet at the same time, he does it in his power and with his authority and with his grace. And so all we can sit back, you know, I've, I've said this from the get-go. I always wanted to be a part of a church that said, you know what, like when people look and go, really? Because I really want to be a part of a church that just people go, it's got to be God because look at that doofus. <laughs> I mean, like I knew that guy in high school and there ain't no way that guy could lead anything. And that's the beauty of the gospel played out. That God chooses to use you and to use me. Not to brag about ourselves, not to even, think about this, not to even boast about our past, but to proclaim the awesome truth of Jesus' death on the cross for your sins, for my sins, and for the sins of those who have yet to profess faith. And his resurrection that offers us life. And it's not a life in just in the future, but a life that begins now when I walk in obedience to what God has called me to do. That is the definition of a foolproof life. That is the definition of living with wisdom in a world of chaos. And it's completely contrary to everything the world speaks now. So here's what I want to do. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. Maybe it's just a simple response to the gospel. That God fearfully, that you are made by God, fearfully and wonderfully made. But sin has crept in. It's natural. Every one of us are born with sin. We have a sin nature. 
It's easy to do the sinful things, and it's a lot harder to be obedient to what God has called you to do. But here's what I want to challenge us today. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, and it would be just a simple statement. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe I'm a sinner in need of your saving grace. And I confess my sins. I know I'm wrong. And I know I'm still going to struggle with sin. Listen, it's, it's not easy. The rest of your life, you're going to battle sin. I believe you died on the cross, and I believe you rose again, offering me life and life more abundantly. 